If you're joining us for the uh, first time, we're in the second week of a series that I've entitled Handle with Care. Essentially, the premise of this series is that if you want to go to the next level in a brand new decade, you need to start by prioritizing relationships. Everybody shout relationships. I'm going to spend a little time talking about navigating some tough relationships in our lives, uh, but I'm going to start off uh, with some good habits that I want to make sure that we're all practicing. So if you're able to stand, would you do so and let us uh, look at passages of scripture here, Psalms 55, verses 1 through 2, and then we'll skip down 12 and 13. Listen to the psalmist as he writes. He captures a lot of our hearts as we struggle with difficult relationships. Listen to my prayer, O God, do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. And then verse 12, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and my close God, open our minds, would you? And teach us through the power of your spirit. And we'll give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. 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 Please be seated. A uh, marriage and family life therapist, Dr. Gary Chapman, says that Uh, life's greatest joys and most painful incidents are experienced in relationships. Everybody shout relationships. When Jesus was asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus responds by beginning with a relationship word. He starts by saying, love. Everybody shout love. Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. He says this is the greatest of the commandments. And then he says the second is Uh, One translation is equal to it. Everybody shout love. Love Love your neighbor as yourself. It is Jesus' way of saying that for him, the greatest priority is relationship. Let's look at some of the scriptures. For the Son of Man came uh, to seek and to save those that were lost. He's talking about relationship. When he reached out and uh, redeemed the woman caught in adultery when he healed the man with leprosy. It was to him all about relationships. The suggestion of Jesus is that uh, if we're going to go to the next level in our lives, we should put on our relationship lens. So when we look at our jobs, we should not just see people who work for us or who work with us. We should see relationships, people that we are now responsible for caring for 
and caring about. And when we go to school and we think of ourselves as students and faculty members that it's not just about what grade I earn or what grade I give, we should see relationships, people that we are responsible for caring for and caring about. It's not just our public relationship, but obviously it's our private relationships. It's, it's both and. It's not just our relationship with each other, but ultimately, listen what Scripture says. Uh, how can you say you love God whom you've not seen if you don't love the folk that you see? Therefore, as I grow in my faith, the deeper I go in relationships, the more I care about people that are around me, that I work for, work with, who are my parents and my children, even the ones who don't like me, that facilitates my growth in my faith. Shout relationships. So since I want to suggest to you that relationships ought to be your primary focus, I want to give you five habits, relational habits. These are five habits that I practice that uh, uh, for me comes straight out of the scripture that, that if you and I practice every day with wherever we are, at work, at home, in retirement, working with our grandkids, if we practice these every day, uh, it will strengthen our, our relational capacity. Listen, here's what Maya Angelou says. She says, people will often forget what you say to them and what you do for them, but they will never forget how you make them feel. About relationship. So here's, here's the insight for me. Both Matthew and Luke, they uh, teach that if you really want to understand Jesus and what Jesus is about, you have to look at his Sermon on the Mount. They both have a version of the Sermon on the Mount. When Luke talks about the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, verse 31, there's one insight that actually shapes these five positive habits that I want to try to teach you today. And it is this, verse 31. Uh, the King James Version says like this, Do unto others as you would have them to do what? Unto you. In other words, treat others the way you would like to be treated. Tell the person next to you, that's a good point. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> write that down treat others the way you would like to be treated my goodness the world would be a vastly different place wouldn't it if we would all treat others the way we want to be treated let me give you five relational habits that fit this context the first relational habit that I want to suggest that you you work on practicing every day that is this. Write it down if you've got something to write with. Look for the good and affirm it. Say it with me. Look for the good and affirm it. I'm talking about look for the good in others. The people who surround your life. Look for the good and affirm it. Make that your habit. Make it, make it, make it your practice. Now, some of us, we're programmed to do the opposite. We look for the negative and call it out. <laughs> for example, you know, your girlfriend comes out, you're going to take her to dinner. 
She comes out, steps out. She's as cute as a button. And the first thing you say is, why you pick those shoes? <laughs> Never mind how fly her hair is. Never mind the jewelry that she selected. Never mind the, the, the unique dress that she's got, the color pattern. Just ignore all of that. The little purse that she's got. Why did you pick those shoes? We have to train ourselves to look for the positive. It ought to be authentic. It ought to be real. You shouldn't be making it up. But surely you can find positive in your children. For example, maybe we're challenging our children. We want them to be 4.0 students or 3.8, whatever. And maybe they're coming in at 3.0 or 2.8. And if we're not careful, we have a tendency, we'll just, we'll just beat that drum, beat that drum, what they've got to do, what they've got to do, what they've got to do. But do you know that as important as academics are, life is bigger than academics? Surely you ought to be able to find something in your kid's life that they are doing uh, that's worthy of praise every day. That, they're, that perhaps they're coming home on time and not taking distractions, uh, 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 detours from school. You ought to affirm that. Maybe they, this day they got their chores done well. You ought to affirm that. They're, they're, they're proven to be responsible even though they may not make the grade, but they're really working hard. They're studying hard. You've got to be able to call that out, practice looking for the good and affirming it. Call it out. Why? Do others, others treat others the way you would like to be treated? Don't you want other people to look for the good in your life and call it out? Number two. Listen first. Tell the person next to you, be sure to write this down. <laughs> Listen first. Say it with me. Say, listen first. Listen first. A listener is a person who is really curious. Uh, an active listener is a person who is actually, who asks questions in the process. You're not listening if when you're talking to the person standing in the hallway uh, at work and they're trying to share something with you and in your mind you're thinking, I'd be glad when she finished because i got to get to my office to do you're not listening when your uh, spouse or significant other or uh, good friend is, 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 is talking to you about a concern and you're thinking, man, I wonder what the score of the game is. <laughs> you're not listening when, when you're in a debate or an argument with someone and they're, 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 they are trying to logically lay out their argument and, 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 and while they're laying out their argument, you're working on your argument. <laughs> to listen means you've got to be curious. You've got to actually be interested in the other person and what they're thinking. My wife and I, when we first got married, one of our challenges uh, happened to be around, as most marriages in communication, for us it happened in a lot of different ways. One of the ways it happened for us was that when my wife would get on the phone to talk to her mom, they could talk, seem like, for hours. And they'd be laughing and just having a great time. And then when she got off the phone and we'd be sitting there, nothing. 
So, one evening, one evening I asked him, I said, baby, explain this to me. How is it that when you're talking to your mom, you guys just laughing and talking full of energy? I mean, you just go on and on. And then when you get off the phone and you and I, we're sitting here, nothing. Explain that. She said to me, she said, well, uh, it's because when I talk to my mother, she's interested. Go figure. <laughs> it actually works. She's interested. And the way I know she's interested, she says, is that if I go to, to go, if I go to Macy's and I buy a new dress and I get on the phone and I say, Mom, I bought a new dress. I mean, Mom said, Yeah, child, you bought a new dress. You know, what color was it? And, and I'll tell her what color. How does it fit? Uh, and I'll tell her all of that. And, 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 and how much did it cost you? And I'll tell her about how it got on sale. And I'm thinking, Well, I only want to know how much it cost you. That's the only question that I have. <laughs> I don't have any more questions. <laughs> See, that, but when I, when I have, when I come and tell you, I got a new dress, you go, uh-huh. About a week later, Ronald comes home. True story, she comes home to the bag. I said, babe, what you got in the bag? She said, oh, I got a dress. I said, what? <laughs> a dress? She said, yeah. I said, get that dress out. Let me see it, girl. <laughs> what kind of color? Let's put it up next to you. Let me see how it hangs. <laughs> and by the way, did you get a good deal? Now, she did exactly what you guys did. But she appreciated it. See, see, sometimes you have to go through the motions. Then the emotions follow. Right? Do it the right way, and it catches up 30 years later. I'm curious. Shout, ask questions. Listen, don't be so quick to send an email because you heard something, got something. Come on, James 1.19 says, be quick to listen, slow to anger, hmm? slow to speak, and slow to anger. Some relationship, have to practice it every day. Third relationship habit that I would suggest, I mean, this is, you're doing to others what you'd like for them to do for you, is uh, seek to persuade and never to control. Say it to me, seek to persuade and never to control. The moment you're trying to control another person, you've crossed the boundary. Now, one of the ways to persuade, obviously, is to share the why behind whatever it is that you want uh, the person to believe or do or stop doing. You lay out your rational 
argument. You explain it. And many of us, we focus right there. And that's a good place. We should do that. But over 30 plus years of, of pastoring and counseling, I've discovered that what ultimately really helps people to change their behavior is not only the why, the rational reason behind why they should or shouldn't do X, Y, and Z, but it is also uh, when you allow them to get a glimpse of how their behavior makes you feel. How it may be causing pain, uh, uh, feeling, causing you to feel disrespect, uh, 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 humiliation, or whatever the deal is. That, that, that when they're able to kind of feel what you're feeling, and the way you do that, you've got you've to share with them how you're feeling. Hmm? Shout feelings. 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 It drives change. Quick example. When I was a teenager, you've been around here long enough, you... You know that I had a, I was a, they'd called me a wayward teenager. And uh, there was a period in my teenage years, I went from bad to worse to terrible. <laughs> and on uh, one particular weekend, I went downtown. And I was supposed to be at my grandmother's house and I was downtown. And I did something just ridiculously crazy. Don't ask what it was, not your business. <laughs> but by the time I got home, you know, in a small town, there's always somebody looking out for you. All right, now that's not how it felt. It felt like there's always somebody in your business, but they were actually looking out for you. They care for you, right? So when I got home, somebody had already called my grandma, gave her the full 411. And I got in my grandma said, come here, boy. And I walked in and she said, come in here. And she was sitting down and I walked in across the threshold and stood right there in front of her. Now, I, I had a history with my grandmother and she, she you, you be careful. Don't stand too close when she's upset. <laughs> because uh, she had that capacity to turn into a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so she laid out for me what I had done wrong. And then she started saying to me, I've done everything. I have disciplined you and spanked you and pulled things away from you. I've done this. I've done that. And rather than you getting better, you're getting worse. And then in that moment, her voice cracked. And then she started to shed tears and she just broke loose crying. I had never seen her cry ever before. And as she cried, telling me how concerned she was for me, it melted my heart. See, all before she had been trying to, in a sense, make me and control me. But when I saw the pain that I was causing in her heart, that is what started the shift in my heart. Learn to let people know what you're feeling, not just what you think. And then trust God to do the rest. And fourthly, keep learning the stories of others. 
Everybody shout, stories. The stories of others, the stories of others that, that we're, we're, we're all, our lives are all inside of uh, ongoing narratives with layers and textures that keep being added. Just because you've been dating your, your boyfriend for six months, don't think you know his story. You know the portion of his story that he shared with you because he felt safe after six months. But, but there are some deeper depths there. And you need to make sure that you keep trying to learn more and more of his story. That, that enlightens you in terms of how to bless him. That enlightens you in terms of, of how to avoid or work through conflict. When you're at work and you go out with your colleagues, you, you know, ask about each other's story. Don't talk about the balls, uh, uh, talk about the game, but try to discover a little bit more about the narrative of this person sitting across from you. The story, the highs, the lows, the triumphs, the failures. And you can only learn that if you're willing to share your story. Now, why is this important in terms of positive relationships? Listen, Because conflict often occurs at the broken places of our stories. It's the the insecurity that that, that you got in a previous relationship. Uh, uh, And and, and that's where your story, uh, that's the broken place in your story that that you were dogged out and and, and, and messed over. And you brought that distrust into a new relationship. And and, and in a sense, where where the conflict is happening is is, is that it's right at the broken place of your story. Let me give you an example. About three years ago, Ron and I went out with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. We went out to have um, pizza. And uh, we were all ordering. And, and uh, so Rhonda said, so, so babe, what you want? I said, well, I, 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 let me, I got this. And I said, you know, I wanted, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted some uh, mushrooms, some pineapples, some olives, some ham, and, you know, and I just kept building it. It was, it was fantastic. It looked just, I couldn't believe it. It was going to be awesome. <laughs> and when my wife finished hearing it, she said, um, <clears throat> that's for you. I'm going to order my own. <laughs> and when she said that, we all laughed. Everybody laughed. But for me, I had a reaction and I got quiet. She didn't know that she had stumbled across one of the broken pieces of my story. She noticed I'd gotten quiet. So she said to me, are you okay? And I said, sure, I'm, I'm fine. And I backed up in the space of my emotional to kind of figure out for myself because I didn't immediately know what was going on. I just know I felt some pain. It was inconsistent with what was going on. So I had to think about what, what's going on here. And, and in a matter of moments, it flashed. I realized what was happening. I, was, I realized that that, that when I was a kid, growing up a scarred kid, and we'd be at, the, at, the, at a store or something, or it's a cafeteria with the rest of the kids, and, and, and we're getting ready to eat, that more often than not, the kids would say, uh, we don't want to eat with Herman, we're going to eat over here. You see? 
Rhonda was innocent in her statement. This is, you know, I don't mind, goodness, decades later. Uh, 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 but she, it ran up against one of the broken places in my story. Now, had it happened 20 years earlier, when we got home, we would have had a big argument. I would have talked about how insensitive and how uncaring she would have been and all that kind of stuff. But the good news is I had worked through that brokenness. Come on now. That's why you've got to have some grace and some mercy in your life. And you guys got to work through your brokenness. Don't lie about it. Deny about it. Work it through. And, and that doesn't mean it disappears, but it means when it does appear, you recognize it. And we talked about it at home. And she said, oh, baby, I get it. I'm sorry. I, I, I won't do that again. Not that she had done anything wrong. You see it? It's the value of knowing ongoingly the story. And then lastly, always assume the best until they show you otherwise. Say with me, assume the best until they show you otherwise. Again, here's where some of us make our mistakes. We are quick to jump to the negative interpretation. We are quick to accuse. We are quick to attack. We are quick to think the worst. I, I remember... Right now, we're getting married. It's my wedding day. And uh, I was, I don't know, 22, whatever it was, and I hadn't been to a lot of weddings. So I didn't know that the bride is somewhat notorious for not being on time. <laughs> All I know is it's supposed to be 2 o'clock. And the time comes and the clock strikes two and nobody seems to be interested in getting the thing started. <laughs> and then 2.15, the night's what's going on, the bride's not here. And then 2.30 comes and then 2.45 comes. And then my mother-in-law comes in, she's just chatting and talking and this and that and so forth and so on. It's almost an hour after. I'm already thinking the girl is going to come to her senses and realize she shouldn't be marrying me in the first place. And now we're about 45 minutes. I, I said, excuse me, I hear all this stuff. Has anybody seen the bride? Is she in the city or what? <laughs> and my Lord said, yeah, I think she's on the other side. I think she's finally arrived. And, and I just wanted to reassure myself. I didn't necessarily need to see her in a, in a, 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 a dress or anything like that. I just, I just needed to know I just, just that, that she was maybe the, the train or something. I don't know. So I went, I went, I was going through the hall, going over to where it was. And, and my aunt passed me, my favorite aunt. And she passed me. And I just waved at her and I kept going. She said, boy, stop. She said, you going to run by me and not speak to me? She said, what? Oh, you done got all uppity and everything now? You getting ready to get married? I, I know uppity. What? <laughs> Had nothing to do with that. I'm anxious about my wife tipping out on me before she become my wife. <laughs> Assume not the worst. 
the best. Now, as I transition here to finish this up to talk about the struggle part for just a few moments, Maya Angelou also says something else. She says, uh, when people show you who they are, believe them. So these five uh, traits that I've just talked through, these are positive habits, shout habits, that you want to practice every day. And in so practicing them, you are treating others the way you want to be treated. But there's a flip side. And uh, again, I think the Sermon on the Mount comes to our aid here. Jesus says in uh, chapter 6, verse 27, here's what he says. Uh, He says, uh, love your enemies, meaning you're going to have some enemies in your life. Oh, by the way, I think he also says, love your enemies, because Jesus knows that hidden in every enemy is a potential friend. Watch this. And hidden in every friend, depending on how life breaks, is a potential enemy. And if your friend is toxic, come on now. I I, I just want to talk just a moment about what do we do when we have difficult people, toxic people, dysfunctional folks in our lives. How do we handle those folks? Because you can't always put them out. Now, let me always say that, uh, you know, if it's violence, if it's sexual abuse, any of that, you ought to just put them out. But most of the challenges we have doesn't fit there, right? I mean, people who are totally dysfunctional, they're they're just, just ridiculous, they're just hard to love, hard to live with. You can't put them out because they're your parents. your boss they're your children they're they're your siblings right you don't like them they don't like you but the blood keeps you connected how do you handle it come here Psalms 55 and and it opens up with I love it he says he says listen to my prayer oh Lord Uh, do not ignore my cry for help he says "Uh, uh, please listen and answer me he says he says for i'm overwhelmed by my troubles the trauma and the drama caused by my relationships and the next few verses he talks about uh the violence that's happening in the streets of the city but then when he gets to verse 12 he says what really causes me to come undone is not the violence perpetrated by strangers that i do not know it's the challenge perpetrated by folk who are my friends. Come on now. In verse 12, he says, he says, if, if it was enemies who taunted me, I could bear that. If it were my foes who arrogantly insulted me, I, I, I could find a way to hide from that. He says, but instead, it's you. Everybody shout, it's you. My equal, the one who shares my values, the one who shares my vision, the one who we've been close, my companion and my close friend. He says in verse 20, he says in verse 20, as for my companion, he has betrayed all his friends and he has broken his promises. His words 
are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath they're daggers. You know anybody like that? Here's what he's saying. I got somebody in my life who talks down at me, who's abusive with their language. I got somebody in my life who's so self-centered that they will, they will sell out their friends so they can get to have their way. I got, I got somebody in my life uh, who says one thing, but they actually mean something else. I've got somebody in their, my life, uh, uh, the work they do behind the scenes is the way they try to tear me down. And they in my life, that's my sibling, y'all. That's my, my colleague. That's, that's, that, that, that's somebody who used to be my friend and in my life. What do I do? What Jesus says, love your enemies. All right. He says, do good to those who would do you harm. He says, bless those who cuss you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who cuss you. Pray for those who hurt you. Jesus, help me. Let's be practical. What, what, help me here. He said, well, the first thing I'm trying to get you to see, if they're toxic, don't you be toxic. Because two toxics doesn't make health. <laughs> don't let them pull you down to their level. Come on now. You ought to function at a higher level. Come on, tell the person next to you, listen up, listen up. That's the first thing. Second thing he says is, now I want you to love them. So there's going to be some things you're going to have to, three things you got to know. There's books written on this, but I'm just going to give you three insights. First is, I assume if you're in relationship with them, your spouse or whatever, you're going to therapy, I'm assuming that. You're trying to get that worked out. I'm assuming if it's a good friend, you've got a third party to come in to try to work some stuff out. I'm assuming that. I'm assuming you've confronted them. You've been honest about what's going on and how it's making you feel. And you've done all that. I'm assuming that when it's all said and done, you finally reach the point where you realize that that person is not going to change. At least right now. And you married to them. All right. It's a parent. It's a sibling. It's a colleague. He says there's three things you can do. Number one, stop trying to change them. Everybody shout, stop it. Stop trying to change. You cannot guilt them into change. You cannot blame them into shame. Change. You cannot shame them into change. You cannot punish them into change. Uh, you can't. You can't browbeat them with your words so terribly until they suddenly will change. Just stop it. Everybody shout, stop it. Love your enemies. He didn't say change them. Love them. Secondly, draw boundaries. The most loving act you and I can do is draw boundaries. You know the relationship is messed up when boundaries are broken. All right? Shout boundaries. That's another word for limits. Okay, here's how you draw some boundaries. Let's say your mother... Uh, does not loves to shop you love to shop but your mother doesn't like how you dress she doesn't like your style 
And every time you go shopping with her, you get into an argument because she's always uh, putting down the clothes you buy. So she comes to you and says, baby, let's go shopping. You need to be able to say, draw a line. Say, mama, I've seen that movie and I know how it ends. It's just going to stress us out. I'm going to leave feeling bad. So, 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 no, I'm not going to go shopping. Come on, baby. That's all right. It was like, we goes, nope, I'm not going shopping. Be firm about the line. I'll go to dinner with you. I'll go to a movie with you. I'll go to lunch, but I'm not going shopping. Shout boundaries. Secondly, learn to put people, park them, I like to use this term, in a different relational orbit. Everybody say relational orbit. You know, you know, there's the sun and the planets are circling around the sun. You know, this planet and this planet and this planet and this planet. And the orbits get further and further and further away. You got it? Everybody shout orbits. So maybe somebody who's dogging you out, who's insulting you, who's making you feel bad about yourself, is a good friend or somebody of that case, uh, 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 what, 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 don't, don't put them out of your life completely, but just change their orbit. Come on now. Maybe don't talk to them every day. Maybe not, not hang out with them three times a week. Maybe what you do is, you know what, I'll see you every six weeks. <laughs> you put them in a different orbit. You see what I'm saying? That doesn't mean if they get in trouble, you're there. If they need you, you're there. But you don't allow yourself to keep getting hurt day in and day out and day in and day out. No, you, you love those who are your enemies, but put them in a different orbit. It helps you to love them. Thirdly, change your expectations. Shout expectations. Stop trying to get milk out of an orange. <laughs> My granduncle was a fabulous dad for me. But there were some things I know he would never do. He would never say I love you. He would never hug me. He would never come to a basketball game or to some program I had at the school. Uh, he, those things, he would never play any kind of game with me, PlayStation, whatever the deal is. He wouldn't do that. That's just not how he was sheep. But he loved me. He showed me he loved me. He taught me how to mow the yard. And, and then later on, he taught me how to gather different yards and make some money. And that was his way of showing me he loved me. Come on now. He, 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 when I go to church and, and I learn how to lead the vote, he was tell the deacons, there's my boy over there. Let him help you lead the vote. That was his way of loving me. Come on. Uh, when, 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 when nobody trusted me with their car, daddy said, well, go take driver's ed first. And then afterwards, mama said, I don't want him close to me at all. And daddy said, that's all right. Come get in my car. He put his seatbelt on the whole thing. He said, go. <laughs> That's his way of loving me. Right? See, some of y'all need to get a dog <laughs> or a cat because your companion is not shaped to love you the way you want. And you cannot get milk out of an orange. Right? You got to shift your expectations. Change the frequency and figure out how does he love you, right? Now, watch this. Uh, 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 and then lastly, change the source where you get your needs from, right? Get them from some other place, but grieve what you can't have. 
In verse 14, he says, he says, what good fellowship we, we, we once enjoyed as we walked to the house of God together. And he's grieving what is no longer the case. It's okay to grieve it, to have wished for it, to acknowledge it's not there, and then let it go. And then lastly, focus on the positive. Shift the frequency. I focus on the positive. Me and my dad ended up with a great relationship. Despite all those other things, uh, uh, he, he is uniquely responsible for who I am today. And I discovered how to find those other things. I built a cadre of friends. I showed up in church. Come on now. Uh, uh, different ways to get the love that God has for me. Focus on the positive. Focus on what? Now, here's, let me end it here. Uh, you know, Dealing with toxic people is so difficult. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. That's why you need some accountability. That's why we have small groups here. Because you keep trying to love people and they keep pulling you in. They use your love and you got to pull back out. So you need a group of people around you who will care just for you and help hold you accountable. As you seek to be the best you can. For Jesus who declared... Love your enemies. <laughs> Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And yes, pray for them that hurt you. Why? Because you can't change them. But if you act right, live right, let God have his way, over time, he can do the impossible. Give God a hand praise. Thank you.